I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. Glad that you are tuned in and uh, hopefully you've made our channel a, a priority on your YouTube homepage. If not, you can click subscribe and make it that way, but glad that we get to stay connected at least a little bit through these videos. We are, uh, today we're continuing a series that we started last week called We Get to Do This. And if you were here last week at either of our services, hopefully you'll remember the, the goal of this series is an unapologetic plea for every single one of us to dig in and to get more engaged here at Access. And if it's, if it's your first time here, first time in a while, here's the goal of this series. It's an unapologetic plea for every single one of us to dig in and get more involved and engaged here at Access. And, and, and not because we have to, you know, this is not like some chore or some obligation, these things that we're talking about. It's not like, okay, God, I better do this for you sort of thing. That, that, that I think is the way that unfortunately we approach these issues that we're talking about over the series. We approach it so often, but, but my, my hope is for all of us, as we talk through these topics, that we can begin to see things from a different perspective, that we can view these action steps as, as things that we get to do, that we look forward to doing, because I just, I believe I'm sold out. I think when we read in the Bible, we see these things will give us the best opportunity to grow in our relationship with God. They don't guarantee we're going to grow. They don't do the work for us if we follow these steps, but they do give us the absolute best shot possible. And so every single week we're tackling a different thing that you and I can do regardless of where we are in our relationship with God, regardless of how long or how little we've been attending this church these are all action steps that we can take. And so last week we talked about the importance of attending services like this regularly. And I know it was a holiday weekend. So if you weren't here for either of our services, I just want to encourage you to watch that message online because I just think as, as a culture and even for some of us, we downplay the significance of these services and these gatherings so often and we miss out and we hurt ourselves because of it. But one of the main underlying points from last week, kind of the, the underlying principle was that believers have always made it a part of, of their routine or their lives to gather together. And the, the thing that we're going to talk about today is that same principle. It's the same reason behind it, but just a different application. Last week was more these services and more large group sort of stuff. This week is about joining a small group. It's, it, it's, these, these services, large sorts of gatherings are awesome, they're important, they're beneficial, but it's not all that we need to help us grow in our relationship with God. We also need smaller settings with more one-on-one -on -one sort of personal relationships. And when you look at the life of Jesus, who for those of us that are Christians is kind of our ultimate example, when you look at his life, you see that there were there were often times in his three years of ministry on the earth that he had thousands of followers. I mean, so many verses in the Bible talk about the crowds. And it seems like as you read through the biographies, the four gospels in the New Testament, that, you know, much of his day was just filled with people, whether it was teaching on a hillside or feeding entire communities or healing the masses. There were just lots of people around all the time. But yet Jesus still made it a priority to meet with smaller groups of people as well. And I think the best example of that are his 12 disciples, his, his 12 closest followers. These were people that Jesus intentionally spent more time with, 
intentionally taught a little more detail. You know, here's, here was a parable he was going to give to the crowds, but he was going to explain it a little more to these 12. These 12 guys were the ones who would have, you know, gotten some behind the scenes with Jesus and been, been able to ask more questions. They would have walked with him, you know, on multi-day journeys from town to town and sit around the campfire and crack jokes and talk about life and all those sorts of things. Yes, there were thousands, but there was also a small group of 12. And then with, even within that small group of 12, he had an even smaller group of three, Peter, James, and John, who got to experience even more incredible events and hear more behind the scenes and who Jesus invited to pray with him in the garden before he was arrested and and ultimately crucified. And, and we just see that Jesus valued both of these, being with larger groups and also being with smaller groups of people. And it should be no surprise that we see the same sort of pattern in the lives of early believers, kind of as the church was getting started. Last week, we read a few verses from Acts, which is a kind of historical narrative of how Christianity got started around the Mediterranean. I, I want to read, in fact, one of the same verses we read last week. He says this, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, big group, but they also met in homes, small group for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. It wasn't just one or the other. It was both. Both of these things were valuable for people to grow in this new relationship with God, this new access to God they had because of Jesus. And even if you read further into Acts, every day in the temple, big group, and from house to house, small group, they continue to teach and preach this message that Jesus is the Messiah. Both of these things are so beneficial and so important for our lives. And, and, and the early church, the early Christians saw the value in both, that there was there was unique ways that they could learn and grow in their relationship with God based on the setting they were in. And I think, I don't know about back then, you know, I wasn't, wasn't alive back in the first century, but big services, big gatherings like this tend to be a little more vertical in nature between us and God. But small, smaller groups where we can have more one-on-one -on -one conversation tend to be more horizontal in nature where we can build relationships with one another. And, and I, I'm convinced every single thing that we are talking about in this series is absolutely essential. They're all important. I think if we have a goal to grow in our relationship with God, we shouldn't skip any of these. But if you pressed me to pick one thing that I thought was, was, was kind of above the rest, I think joining a small group is maybe the most influential thing we can do in our relationship with God. They're all important. They're all beneficial. But I think this is the one that could maybe influence us the most. Finding and starting and developing relationships with other people who are headed the same direction spiritually that we want to head. And maybe... Maybe you're thinking right now, especially if you were here last week, you're thinking, oh, great, you know, one, one more thing he wants me to add to my schedule, you know? Wasn't it enough last week? You know, you kind of go, okay, I got to be here on the weekend services and that sort of thing. And, and now you want me to add one more thing. Maybe, maybe you're honestly thinking, yeah, it sounds like a good idea, but do you know how busy my schedule is? 
Do you know how many kids activities I've got to do now that school's back in session? Do you know how much yard work I got to finish before winter? I mean, do you know how little time I have? And, and obviously I don't, you know, I work one day a week and then I go back in a hole backstage and they just <laughs> wheel me out again, you know? So you know, obviously I, I get it. I live the same life, you know? I've got a family, I've got kids in school, we own a home, I work a full-time job with a side job, you know, I've got it, all of these, everything. I understand how busy our schedules can be. And I think sometimes we, we think of small groups as like, oh, it's just something else I have to do. Maybe we need to change that approach. I'm, I'm hoping that today we can begin that to, to view this not as something that we have to do, but as something that we get to do that can help us in our own relationship with God. And so for the rest of the time together, I actually just want to go through three reasons why I think every single one of us should be in a group. Three reasons why it is beneficial no matter where we're at in our relationship with God and no matter how uncomfortable it is and how busy we think we are and all those different reasons, three reasons why we should really strongly consider. And if I could beg you, if I could sign you up for a group myself, I would but why we should consider being a part of one. Because if, if, if all we do is just attend services like this, there are parts of spiritual growth and spiritual maturity that we will just never experience. It's just the fact. And, and I kind of think of these three reasons as the ABCs of small groups. And the first one is this. When you and I are a part of a small group, we have an opportunity to get accountability in our lives and in our relationship with God. I think every single one of us, we know how accountability benefits us in other areas of life. There have been so many times in the last, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 years that I have tried to lose weight and tried to get in shape. I won't tell you how many times because it's embarrassing, but I've, I've, you know, 15 years ago when P90X was all the rage, right? I bought the discs and the bands and the cookbook and the shorts and all that different stuff. And you know what? Then I, I didn't follow through with that. And I've had several times a gym membership, you know, here in town and didn't follow through with that. And there was a time where, you know, I was, I was doing that like seven minute high intensity training, you know, cause I just told myself, well, the reason I'm not losing weight is cause I don't, you know, I can't take the time for the gym. Yeah. Right. You know? And so anyway, so I do this seven minute stuff and I didn't make the goal this summer, but the previous two summers, you know, I wanted to run a couple miles every day and like, it's never worked, you know? It just had, there's only been one time in my life where I've been successful at losing weight. And that was when my wife and I were gonna go on a vacation to Mexico with another couple. And we all wanted to lose weight. And I'm telling you, man, that, that accountability with each other made all the difference in the world. We could, we could call in and check on each other. And when we saw each other, hey, are you eating the same bland, boring foods? Yeah, I'm still on it. When was the last time you ate a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch? Oh, three weeks ago, you know, and or are you drinking your cayenne pepper lemon water? Blah, yeah, yeah, you know, and like, but I'm telling you, it worked. This accountability between between all four of us made all the difference in the world. We actually, every one of us, lost weight before we went to Mexico. And this works in so many different areas of life. If you know with, with sobriety, getting a sponsor matters financially, getting a financial advisor matters. Mental health, talking to a counselor matters. Personal development, professional development, education. 
we all know and can admit and can see, yeah, accountability is beneficial for my life. But the odd thing is, is we don't apply this same principle to our spiritual lives. At least not very often. We've just kind of bought into wholesale as a culture. Ah, faith is a private matter, you know? I'm, I'm strong enough to grow in my relationship with God by myself. I've, I've got enough willpower to stay close to God. And you know what? I, I can be growing all on my own. And that, that desire has to start in here. But man, I've, I've never met anybody, never read anybody who can do that all alone. We need other people. We, we need other people to help hold us accountable and to encourage us and to challenge us. And, and, and I just, I, I believe with all my heart, if we don't have relationships with other Christians who can hold us accountable, eventually we are going to slow down, we're going to stall out, or even going to stop growing in our relationship with God altogether. We, we, have, to, we have to allow other people to help us in our relationship with God. I've said this before, but I just think this is true, that good influences are better than good intentions. Good influences are better than good intentions. We can have the best intentions in the world to grow and get closer to God and respond to what he says and live out our faith. But if we don't have other people helping us in that, our ability to do it long-term in a healthy way, not getting weird, not getting off track, I'm telling you, it is greatly diminished if we don't allow other people to hold us accountable. And I just think in our, in our culture, in our church, in our world today, joining a small group is one of the best places that we can get accountability. Especially when you look at some of the instructions we read in the Bible. For example, in Galatians, Paul writes this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. But, but here's the thing. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And I just want all of us to think for a moment. Who is it in our lives that we have allowed them to do this for us? Do we have someone or maybe even, you know, two or three people who we've given permission to share our burdens and to help us when we face struggles with sin or temptation or those sorts of things. It's going to be much harder to overcome that on our own. Way better if we have some accountability with others. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says it this way, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I don't think it's much of a stretch for us to, to admit there's probably one area, at least, if not a hundred, that we want to grow in, right? That we want to get better. We want to see some victory. And maybe for you, it's, it's to be more loving or to be more patient or, you know, to fly off the rail, you know, less times. Maybe it's you want to stop drinking so much or you don't want to visit those websites anymore or you want, you want some control on your spending. Who, who do we have in our lives can pray for us with those things who can help us i think inside we might initially kind of say oh i got my family for that and you know what if that's true that's awesome god bless but let's be honest is that really true have we given our family 
members, people that live with us, permission to call us out on this sort of stuff. Sometimes because of the nature of that relationship, it can actually prevent this from happening. So who else do we have that can pray for us specifically and earnestly and continually to help us overcome these things and, and, and to hold us accountable in our relationship with God? See, I, th- I think services like this, or even videos that you watch, are great to hear about a relationship with God, but it's, it's, it's with the help of other people that we actually learn how to live out a relationship with God. It's, it's, it's through the accountability of other people and the relationships with them that we can learn how to navigate, you know, the valleys of life and the storms of life. It's where we can be open enough and give people permission to challenge us to step out in faith and maybe respond to something that God is prompting us to do. It's these sorts of relationships that hopefully they can warn us, you know, hey, you're starting to drift or, you know, hey, I've noticed this in your life. And like at services like this, we just, we can't get the type of accountability we need, but we can in small groups, or at least we've got a better chance of finding that in small groups. And yeah, it's uncomfortable and it's hard. None of us are pre-wired to, you know, when somebody tries to correct us, just say, oh, yay, you know, like that's, that's not how we respond. But this is so beneficial for you and I, and it's one of the benefits of being in a small group. I think another benefit is that we can find a place where we can, we can sense that we belong. You know, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries, it sure would mean a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? You know, do you want to go where everybody knows your name and you know, all our troubles are the same. If you're not laughing, it's because you're under 40 and you have no idea what this, this is. That's the theme song from Cheers, okay? So, but isn't, isn't that real life? Don't, don't, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to have a place or a group of people where they know our name and our struggles and we can feel like, man, it's, it's not just me, you know, I'm not just all alone, I think this sense of belonging is a fundamental human need that we have. We need air, we need water, we need food, we need shelter, but studies have shown time and time again, we also need to be loved. We also need to be cared about. We also need a place where we can belong, where we're not just anonymous, where we're not just a face in the crowd. I think this is this, this need for belonging, I think this is why there's, you know, motorcycle groups like Hell's Angels or, you know, the Vikings play the first time today. And, and you'll, I'm sure you'll see if you watch the game, those crazy people with horns and fainted paces and tattoos. That's called the Viking World Order. Blah, it sounds awesome, you know, but people just want a place to belong or, or even, you know, just community of different things, community ed or the chamber or business networking sort of stuff, because we just have this need inside to be a part of something, to, to feel like we have a place where we fit. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, guess what? So it is with Christ's body. 
the church, big C church, not building, not lights, but Christians. So it is with Christians. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And I think maybe we experience a little bit of an intellectual side of that here. And maybe we scratch the surface when we rub shoulders, you know, once a week. But, but do we really get a deep sense of belonging when we say hi in the lobby and talk about the weather and sit next to somebody in a row for 60 minutes? I don't think so. I, I think we miss out. I, I think every single one of us, if we could experience it, would benefit so much from people knowing our name and our story and we know their name and their story where we can have authentic and real relationships with one another, where we can take off our mask a little bit, where we can, you know what, just even, even just spots where, yeah, you know what, I, I care about you on Sunday when I see you here, but I also care about you on Monday and Tuesday and, and Wednesday and places that, you know, relationships with people where we can send funny TikTok videos back and forth and, and you know, follow up on how is your day today or what are you doing this weekend, those sorts of things. And, loneliness in our world today is an absolute epidemic. It is 100% in just about every age group, especially for those of us that are men. And we will deny it to our deathbed. No, I'm fine, but we, we gotta be aware of this. Loneliness is real and it's painful and it might seem easier and safer and less risk to just show up anonymous on a Sunday, slip in and slip out. And that's true, it is. It is easier and safer and less risk. But it's not what we need on the inside. We need to find a group of people where we can belong. And this is one of those things, if, if we've never experienced it, it seems like mm, I can do without it. But once you've tasted how amazing this is, you never want to go without it again. This is something we all need. And small groups are one of the best places we can find it. Finally, it's care, being cared and, and supported. And I think this is something that every single person wants, but very few of us want to take the time to develop it ahead of time. I know about 10 or 11 years ago, my wife and I went through one of the hardest things we've ever faced when we lost a child due to miscarriage. And, and there's nothing anybody can say, right, to make that pain go away. It's just grief and sadness and like man you had all these dreams and hopes and they're crushed in an instant but it was with relationships with people in our small group that we felt the most cared for paul in his letter to the corinthians says hey god comforts us so that we can share that care with others and we we experienced that firsthand real life it was like the bible coming to life especially with one couple in particular who'd experienced a miscarriage themselves, they, they were able to empathize with us in a way that nobody else could. They were able to care for our, our spirits on the inside, our emotional well-being in ways that nobody else could. Or I think about within the last few years, we've had to spend several days at Children's Hospital, two times, one with each daughter. And, and we, we were lucky enough to have family close by who could help us with some things, but man, I can't tell you how grateful I am that we had a small group of people as well who could be there to pick up some of the pieces, who, who could, you know, watch whatever daughter wasn't in the hospital at the time or bring us something to the hospital that we needed or even just to have a normal conversation 
in the midst of all the craziness. I am so grateful that we had a foundation of caring relationships already. I think one of the saddest things to me is when people reach out to the church or people call the church and and they're facing a crisis, an emotional crisis, a relational, financial crisis, whatever whatever it is. And most of the time when people call just out of the blue, you know, we don't, we don't know who they are. They're just, you know, a member of the community somewhere. And as I listen to people's stories, I just think to myself, like, man, where's your people? Where's your crew? Where, where are the relationships in your life who can help you in a more personal, more productive, more beneficial way? Because, uh, you know, as with somebody you don't know, we've probably all experienced this. How do we really help them? What are the right steps? What's their background? What have they been through? Have they been abused? What are they facing right now? What's coming in the future? It's so hard to know those things just on a phone call. And, and, and so often we don't take the time to build up a network of care and support for when we inevitably face challenges in life. We just, we just wait for them to happen and then want care to be there. But to me, that doesn't seem wise. That, that seems like buying car insurance after you hit a deer, you know? Or buying homeowner's insurance after the place burns down. That's, that's not wise. And I just, I just wonder, man, what if we could get this? What if we didn't wait until we lost a job to develop strong relationships with people who could help us with some of that financial burden until we get back on our feet again? What if we didn't wait until a loved one was sick and in the hospital to try and find people to drop our kids off at school or prepare a meal for the family? What if we didn't wait until the divorce papers are served for us to invite some trusted friends in to help counsel, help talk through some issues, even just help mediate conversations? Why, why don't we build up a network first? See, I, I think sometimes we just expect the church to do it but the church as an organization as a big group of people we we can't provide this level of care that we need for hundreds of people at a time and know all the details and all the stories and and i'm not even sure biblically we're supposed to care and support happen in relationships with one another last week we read a a quote from Brett McCracken in his book, Uncomfortable. And I actually want to read another quote because just it's so great. Actually, this whole book is great. But he says this, Committing to life in community, however uncomfortable it may be, is essential. Individualistic faith shrinks our experience of God and saps the full power of the Spirit in our midst. We thrive most when we live out faith in the presence of of the family of God. We are the best when we have relationships with other people who can help us grow in our relationship with God. Because here's the thing, we cannot, I, I guarantee, we cannot experience a full, developing, healthy, maturing relationship with God all on our own. Just can't do it. We cannot be everything that God wants us to be all on our own. I think, you know, in relation to what Brett said and, and these three things, accountability and belonging and care, 
if we want to be more well-rounded Christians, then we need to be more well-surrounded Christians. The more well-surrounded we are, the more well-rounded we become. Joining a small group might seem like, oh gosh, I have to do this. I got to give up another, you know, couple a night of my week or something. No, 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 no. We, 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 we need to view this from a different perspective. These all are incredible benefits for us. And, and here's what I can say. If you join a small group, I cannot guarantee that you're going to experience all three of these at 100% in the first four weeks. That's just an unrealistic expectation. But I will guarantee this. If you and I build relationships with people, if we choose to join a small group, we will experience the best shot of finding these in our lives. Hands down, the best way, the best place for us to do that. And so uh, this is just an unapologetic plea for you and I to join a group. That's it. That's what it all comes down to. If you're here today or you're watching online and you are already a part of a small group, but maybe you're not really experiencing those things yet, maybe you need to try another group. I don't know. But I would say nine times out of 10, maybe it's we need to be a little more open and vulnerable and work on building relationships within that group. Maybe it's not the group, but maybe it's us who's remained a little too closed off and protected. These relationships are meant to help us, but the only way we can get help is if we ask for it. Be more open. Maybe if you're already in a small group right now and these things aren't really happening yet, talk to your facilitator, talk to the group leader and have some conversations about this. Be a part of the solution to fixing it, but stick it out. Don't give up on your group. Don't give up on being a part. In fact, I would encourage you to invite more people to join your group. For those of us that aren't already in a group right now, um, like I said, if I could make you sign up for one, I would. But we have tried to do everything we can as a church to make this as easy and pain-free as possible. All of our groups are starting new studies in October, so you're not going to walk in on some, you know, seven-year book where you're like, why does everybody else know this and I don't? Okay, that's, that's not the case. They're all starting new in October. And when you sign up for a group, it's not for life, okay? They're not going to, every group is supposed to end their study in January. Our small group facilitators, you know, they're, they're not super weird. We're all a little weird, right? Okay, let's just be honest. They're not super weird. We, we take this small group thing very seriously. We, we work on getting better and training our facilitators and knowing how to handle and, and develop thriving relationships. And our, our facilitators, you might be thinking, if I go to a group, they're going to ask me to do this or pray out loud or read some name or I don't even know how to read the Bible. Just let's take a breath. Nobody's going to make us do that. Our facilitators know not to force us to do anything. We have a group directory on the online hub where you can browse all the groups and decide, you know, hey, do I this certain day of the week or men's or women's groups or what are they studying or are they going to have a meal? They're going to have childhood. All these different things. Why? Because we just believe this is one of the most beneficial things we can do in our for our relationship with God. Joining a small group, I hope, doesn't feel like something we have to do, but something that we get to do for accountability, 
to find a place to belong and a place where we can get the care that we're all going to need. So I just want to encourage you, be a part of a group. That's what it all comes down to, be a part of a group. Let's pray before we head out, Father. Um, I know you want a relationship with us more than we could ever want one back with you. Your, your desire is to be with us all the time. And as much as we can, as much as you've moved in our hearts so far, we just, we just want to say, God, we want a relationship with you back. And we want to keep moving in that direction. And so, God, we, uh, we want to take the steps necessary that it's going to take. I, I pray for those of us that have specifically never been in a group before. We might feel nervous. We might feel a little worried, feel a little uneasy about it. God, would you just calm those feelings? Would you help us find the right group where we can plug in and start developing good, healthy relationships that can draw us closer in a relationship with you. And Father, for those of us in a group already, just uh, help us, help us continue to grow and help us be a part of helping other people grow as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.